few months. And uh, so you just remember each one of those if you would. But maybe tonight, before we go to the Lord and Word of Prayer, somebody have a special request upon your heart. Amen. Somebody else tonight. All hearts free. All right. If so, Brother Corey, if you would, takes the Lord and word of prayer. Amen. Somebody got something on your heart, something you need to do, you mind the Lord this evening. Amen. Somebody else? Amen. Amen. Somebody else. Be able to Somebody else tonight. All hearts free. Amen. Amen. All hearts free tonight. All right. Tell you what I want you to do. Take your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 1. And hold your finger there and then flip with me over to the book of Jude. All right? So Exodus chapter number 1 and then flip with me over to the book of Jude. We'll read out of the book of Jude and then I want to make just a few comments quickly and then we'll get into the book of Exodus. All right? Exodus chapter number 1 and hold your finger there and then turn with me to the book of Jude. When you find your places, you take your time. I know you've got several places to turn, but when you find your places, you stand with me. If you can, enable an honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Exodus chapter number 1, and then the book of Jude as well. We'll read out of the book of Jude, and then we'll flip over to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 1, and the book of Jude as well. 
Jude, book of Jude, the Bible says in verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, the Bible said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do love you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege. God, the honor to be back in your house again this evening. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we study your word together. Lord, I pray you'd help us take these truths and apply them to our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray you'd have me say nothing. Be contrary to your will or your word. Meet every need represented tonight. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd strengthen us as a church. Lord, I pray you'd help us to, Lord, take these great truths in the book of Jude and realize that we are living in the end days and that it's time that we stand and earnestly contend for the faith. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray you'd draw us closer to you. Meet every need once again. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing tonight. Now, I, I know you're probably getting a little tired of me reading uh, these same verses, but I want to tell you something and listen to me. And uh, it, it may seem simple, but it's true. Uh, you remember when we started this, I asked you to do something for me. I asked you to read uh, the book of Jude at least once a week. And I, uh, I know I failed at mentioning that some over the last few services, but uh, at least I'd love for us all to at least once a week read all the way through the book of Jude, and uh, there's just a simple truth that repetition, uh, gain, if you, the more you repeat something, uh, the more that that'll be committed to your mind. They told me playing ball that if you, in order to get to, to make something a habit, I believe it was 10,000 times. They told me you had to do something. You had to uh, swing the right way 10,000 times, and then it became muscle memory. It became natural. And so when the psalmist said that he'd hide the words of the Lord in his heart, that he might not sin against God, that's what he meant, that he'd meditate on them, that he'd think on them, that he'd hide those things in his heart. So repetition does bring knowledge in some ways, and it gets things in our mind. Uh, so it's just a short book. So we, uh, we've we read these first five verses several times. We've read verse one more than we have any other. I'm sure, but uh, we've read these five verses several times. We hit a little bit on it this morning, and uh, I probably should have done what I'm going to do tonight beforehand, but I just couldn't get away from uh, looking at what we looked at this morning. But uh, I want to look at some things out of verse 5. Now, Jude said once again, I therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. So I, I want you to grasp that. He's telling the believers that he's writing to, at one time you knew this, but I'm going to put you in remembrance. I want to stir this up in your mind. I want to bring it back to your attention. I want you to think on these things again, I guess you could say. And we looked a little bit at that this morning. 
Then he said, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now Jude just said a couple of sentences there, and just one verse that is recorded in the Bible. Uh, but there's years and years of history to look at in that verse. Uh, if he wants us to remember that, then wrong. we didn't know what the Lord did to bring them out of Egypt. We didn't know what he did uh, as a process there. We didn't know what happened to cause them to be destroyed, how he destroyed them. Uh, there's a lot to look at in these just few verses that Jude gives us. Um, verse 6, there's a lot to look at there. Verse 7, there's a lot to look at. Uh, so there's more than just running through it quickly. And I want to try to dig into it pretty deep. Now tonight, we're not going to get to any great spiritual truths probably. We're not going to uh, dig too deep into it tonight. But I do want to lay a foundation uh, this, this, this evening. Now, I want to say this. I was thinking in there in my office today, uh, there's really no extent that we could go that would be too far to understand uh, the hand of the Lord in the children of Israel. We could go all the way back to when God created Adam and Eve, and we could begin there, and that'd be just perfectly just, just to be honest with you. Uh, it'd be right. When he, cre- when he created Adam and Eve, uh, John, he did that to bring forth the children of Israel. And we're going to show you that before it's over with. God's always intended to have a people. Did you know that? He's always intended to have a nation. He's always intended for things to happen like they did. So we could start anywhere, but for for for, for your sakes, uh, I want to start with them when they're getting ready to come out of Egypt. When uh, We're going to start in the book of Exodus. Now I told you to hold your finger there. Flip over there with me just real quick. While you're turning, let me read verse 5. I therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having said the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now we'll look at the book of Exodus. We know that that means the uh, the leaving or the, the, this the exit out of Egypt. That's what the book of Exodus deals with. Uh, so I believe that'd be a good place for us to start. Now you bear with me. I'm going to have a lot of reading to do tonight. I really, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be upfront honest. I'd love to get about halfway through chapter 2. And I'm not starting at chapter 2 in case you didn't realize that, so I'm going to try to preach through chapter 1 and at least half of chapter 2 tonight, all right? I'm going to go real fast. We're not going to go real in-depth, uh, but I do want, I'm not going to take it verse by verse necessarily, uh, but I do want to show you a few things just historically, I guess you could say. Uh, so notice with me, verse number 1, the Bible said, Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob. So the Lord begins by giving us a history. Now notice this, and he says, these are the names of the men which came with Jacob into the land of Egypt. Every man, now watch what he said, every man and his household came with Jacob. Now there's something interesting that I want you to notice real, real quick. I want you to notice that they referred to as the children of Israel, but that, but that Israel is referred to as Jacob in Exodus 1.1. That's interesting. Probably won't get into it, but that'll give you something to look at and look at and study on. Uh, then in verse 2, he begins to give us a list of the names. He said, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. Now listen to this. For Joseph was in Egypt already. 
Verse 6, And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there fall without any war, they join also with our enemies uh, and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses, but the more they afflicted them, listen to verse 12, one of my favorite uh, in the book of Exodus, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, and all their service, uh, wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Uh, now we'll quit reading for a second time there, uh, but I do want to continue on through the chapter eventually and get into chapter 2 as well, alright? Uh, so I want you to notice with me, we're just going to go as fast as I can, but I want to lay a foundation, then we'll come back and start hitting some of the some of the pictures and types and lessons to be learned, alright? Uh, notice with me, first of all, the past. Uh, we've begun a new book here in the book of Exodus. It's the first transition uh, of books you'll find in your Bible. I, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but it's a good place to hit it real quick. You'll realize that the, 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 the word or the phrase Bible is not mentioned in your Bible. Did you know that? Uh, that's not a scriptural term, uh, but I don't have a problem with it being called the Bible because what Bible means, that Greek word, literally means the books. That's what it means, and that's what we hold. Uh, we talked about that a little bit before, that uh, when you study your Bible, you have to realize that it's broken into divisions. There's different books, and we've just ended Genesis, or the book of beginnings, and now we're entering in the exit, or the exodus. So uh, there's a transition. So what God does, Kirk, is uh, in those first four or five verses, he takes some time just to bring us up to where we are. Now, it's just a few verses, and it doesn't cover everything that happened in Genesis, but it's enough, John, to uh, jog your memory a little bit to say, okay, I remember uh, there was a man by the name of Jacob, and God, he wrestled with the Lord, and the Lord changed his name, and he had 12 boys, and one of them was Joseph, and see how you begin to jog your memory a little bit, and so that's what the Lord's doing, He's transitioning uh, by giving us the past, He's telling us a history of what happened in the latter part of the book of Genesis, and so He said, now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, every man in his household came with Jacob, uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. Now, he just gives us four verses right there. That's not that much information, but it jogs our memory. It reminds us of some things, and we remember how that Joseph was the, uh, how that Joseph had the coat of many colors, and how that he was, his brothers were jealous of him. Remember that? Uh, that'll be important in just a minute. 
were jealous because they felt like that Jacob loved him more than he did them. And what magnified that was, all of a sudden Joseph said, come in, he said, I've had a dream that one day all of you is going to bow down to me and daddy's going to bow down to me too. Talk about rubbing salt in the wound. And uh, that was all orchestrated by God, by the way, to, uh, for him to be sold into slavery and all that to happen. And uh, so we know the story. He ended up in Potiphar's home. I know I'm covering a lot of ground. I'm trying to hurry. Uh, but we know or had he end up in Potiphar's house and in the prison and uh, all that happened there and I, there's so much preaching to get into it. Uh, but then we know that the, he had another dream and that Pharaoh had a dream and uh, that they remembered Joseph, called him to Pharaoh and Joseph interpreted dream and uh, because of that Pharaoh made him his right hand and there was none above uh, Joseph except for Pharaoh and him only in the throne that was the only thing that uh, exceeded Joseph was just title just name and uh, Joseph had as much authority as anybody uh, how did he interpret the dream it would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine and uh, how did Jacob send his sons because of the famine down into Egypt where they had plenty and uh, we know all that how that, jo- how that Joseph saved his people uh, because that he'd been put in a position of authority, in a position of power, and had, fa- had had found grace with God, and he was able to save his family. There's a lot we get into, uh, but we don't have time. We'll be here for three years just dealing with that. Uh, but listen, so we know all. It reminds us of all that. Now you remember what happened? I believe it's in chapter 45. I believe it is of the book of Genesis. Joseph said that he was going to keep Benjamin. And you remember Jacob didn't want Benjamin to go because he'd already lost one son, didn't want to lose Benjamin. And Joseph said, I'm going to keep Benjamin. You go back home and get your daddy and bring him to me. And here's what he said. He said, there's some things I want you to do. Now I'm going to go real, real, real fast, all right? He said, go back and tell, tell daddy. There's about three things I want you to tell him. Go back and tell him that Joseph yet liveth. Isn't that right? He said, go back and tell him Joseph is living. Isn't that right? And so they went back and said, listen, daddy, I know what you've been told. I know what we said. I know what you saw. I know you saw the coat and the blood, but Joseph yet lives. Now listen, stay with me, all right? Then he said, there's something else I want you to go back and tell daddy. I want you to go back and tell him that Joseph is Lord. If you'll study it out, he said, go back and tell him that he's governor of all the land of Egypt. He said, go back and tell him, not only am I living, but I'm the one that's in charge. Isn't that right? They went back and told Jacob that. And if the Bible said that uh, that he was referred to as Jacob at that time, then you'll find the Bible said when he saw the wagons that his heart revived and John you'll never you'll find him in the rest of Genesis mentioned as Israel you know why because when he saw the wagons I can't get into all of it because it's too much but he saw that Joseph not only was living and that he was Lord but that Wendy he sent something to carry him to where he was going now stay with me all right and then the third thing he said was go tell daddy that I long to be with him Joseph said tell him that my heart yearns uh, to see him again. Now you say, preacher, what's all that mean? Let me just say this for me, if nobody else, because it'll help me to give you some types and pictures, okay? Uh, uh, you know what happened the day you got saved? Somebody come and told you that the Lord was living. Uh, last time everybody saw him, they thought he was dead, but they come by and said, no, that's not the end of the story. He's still alive. Isn't that right? Uh, and that wasn't all that you found out that day. You found out not only was he living, but John, you found out he was Lord of all, that he was 
King of Kings uh, and Lord of Lords. Isn't that right? Uh, and when your heart just about failed within you and you thought, I can't do it by myself, that's when you saw the spiritual wagon of grace that when you couldn't make it by yourself, it'd carry you uh, uh, the rest of the way. Isn't that right? Uh, you know what I think is in them wagons? I think Jacob sitting down there and while he's traveling back, I think he'd reach over and get some corn from Egypt. Uh, I mean, he had provision and everything he needed. Uh, and his Bible said his heart revived when he saw the wagons. But that wasn't all the Holy Ghost come by and told you that day. He come by and said, there's one more thing. He's living, he's Lord, and he longs to be with you. Uh, uh, there's nothing he'd rather do than just be with you. Isn't that right? Can I show you one more real quick? And I'm hurrying. Uh, when, when Jacob came into Egypt, I'll tell you what the Bible said. Bible said that Joseph ran to meet him. He didn't sit back and say, well, go, come on, come, come on, come on. No, he ran and the Bible said he fell on his neck and kissed him. Uh, you said, preacher, what that's a picture of? Some glad day, Chris, the Lord's not waiting on me to get there, but he's coming back to get you and me. Aren't you glad for that? What pictures in the Old Testament? Uh, so that brings us up just in the life of Joseph a little bit uh, to where we are tonight. It brings us up. Uh, he, the Lord quickly gives us a recap of who the children of Israel were and reminds us of the events that brought us to the book of Exodus. Now the Bible said that every man in his household came with Jacob. What that means is these men, he's getting ready to mention these brothers of Joseph. When they came, uh, they brought their entire household they moved the whole family and they came with Jacob, all right? But then it said in verse 5, for Joseph was in Egypt already. So we're up to date on that. So we see the past in verse 1 through 5, but then notice with me in verse 6, notice with me the passing. Watch what the Bible said. And Joseph died. Can I tell you something? Now listen to me, listen to me well. You know what really happens in Exodus chapter 1 verse 6? One of the greatest types of Christ in your Bible ceases to work. It's getting quiet. One of the great, every type breaks down eventually. Did you know that? A type is not the real thing. Eventually, it'll break down. Eventually, it falls apart. Eventually, there ceases to be similarities. And when the Bible simply said, and Joseph died, the type of between him and Christ cease to work anymore. You know why? Because I'm glad that the Lord, while he is living and he is Lord and he does long for us to be with him, I'm glad that the Lord lives forevermore. Aren't you? Uh, you'll never read and the Lord died. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so the type ends in verse 6. The Bible says Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. Now listen, there's more in that than you realize. And Joseph died. And all his brethren and all that generation. They say, preacher, what's that mean? That means Joseph's now dead. Reuben's now dead. Simeon's now dead. Levi's now dead. Judah's now dead. Issachar's dead. Zebulun's dead. Benjamin's dead. Dan's dead. Naphtali, Gad, Asher, they're all dead. All of his brothers have died. Every one of them have passed away. Every one of them are gone. That generation, John, is gone completely. The Bible said that if Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. Now, I wish I could tell you for sure how long that would take, but I don't know. Uh, but there's been speculation of how long it takes for a generation to die out. But the Bible said, and all that generation. That means there was none of Joseph's generation still living when the book of Exodus takes place. 
there's been some time pass. Is that right? Now listen, I was thinking about down there in my office about some of the older preachers that I, I, I that I uh, that I I heard and that had impacted my life and John they they seem like they're going by the handfuls and they seem like they're just falling away but there's still a few that right but the Bible said they all that generation were gone but some time passed. It's been more than, it's more. you got to realize when you look at the book of Exodus, it's more than just they came into the land and now Joseph died. No, that's not what happened. There's been some time passed. There's been some things take place. An entire generation has died off. Wayne, there's nobody to go to and say, tell me again about when you come and went and got Jacob. There's nobody to say, tell me, Joseph, about Potiphar. That generation is gone. There's been some time that has passed here in their text. All right, so we see this evening, we see that the past, and we see the passing. Then notice with me the progress in verse 7. Now you say, preacher, how's things going with, all, with that generation gone? The Bible says in verse 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. The Lord is prospering them in the land of Egypt. Isn't that right? I mean, he's doing great things. Uh, we say the children of Israel have been blessed and prospered uh, in the land of Egypt. Notice what it said. They were fruitful and increased abundantly. I mean, there were 70 of them, the Bible said, that come in with Jacob. They come from the loins of Jacob. But now the Bible said they were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. God's blessed them. That generation may have passed on, but God's blessed. And there's, uh, they've grown and they've, they've, they've waxed mighty, the Bible said. And the land was full of them. In fact, it said on down uh, in verse number uh, 9, I believe it is, uh, Pharaoh said, and, and, the, and said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. There were 70 of them coming into the land of Egypt. And now, Kirk, there's enough time that's passed that Pharaoh said there more, there's more more of them than there are us, and uh, they're mightier than we are. I, I, do you see that? You see the, the the progress and the prosperity uh, that God had given them uh, here in the land of Egypt. But that, that all sounds great, fine, and then until you get to verse eight, and then you find out there's a problem. Now watch what the Bible said. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Now remember who Joseph's a type of, because we'll get there maybe maybe Wednesday night, I don't know, but uh, there are some types and similarities in here, but I don't have time to hit it. So now, all of a sudden, they've prospered, they've grown, the Lord's blessed them, everything's been great. And then the Bible said in just one verse, and there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. You know what's happened? There's been so much time passed, John. We don't know exactly how much time it is, but of course there's been enough time passed that there's a new king that doesn't even know the story of Joseph. He doesn't even know the reason that the Hebrews were there. He doesn't even know that, that the reason they're there is because God sent one to be able to save the Egyptians. They were, are you with me? Yeah. And he arose a new king, which knew not Joseph. Now I want you to notice what the Bible said in verse 9. Now watch this. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass it with their fall without any war. They join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. 
Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. They built for Pharaoh's treasure cities, uh, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. They were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now, you say, preacher, what are you going to say? Uh, this new Pharaoh, this arose that knew not Joseph. You know what's amazing to me? He had the same problem that them other boys did with Joseph. Uh, he got jealous of them. That right? He sat there and he said, it's amazing the themes you'll see through your Bible that just repeat over and over and over again. It's almost like the Lord wants us to learn something. He tells us so much about it. Uh, but it, it, it jealousy over and over and over again. And he got jealous, John, and said, they're more than we are. They're mightier than we are. And if we've we got to do something about them because if we're not careful, they'll, they'll, they'll side with our enemy and they'll wipe us out. Isn't that right? He was jealous and fearful because he did not realize God had used them to save his people. Isn't that right? Had it not been for Joseph and the Lord using him, Egypt would have been wiped off the map. Isn't that right? And so he didn't realize that. And the jealousy drove him to persecute the people of God. So we see a problem. We see that he began to persecute and begin to rage warfare against the children of Israel. Now the Bible said in verse 11, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. So you know what he said? He said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll oppress them. Well, y'all going to have to hit me just a little bit. Well, I'd love to say a whole lot more than i got time to say, uh, but there's some lessons right here we might ought to take notice of. I'll just mention that just real quick. There's some things we might ought to take notice of. That, that, that Egypt's a picture of the world, isn't that right? And the children of Israel are a picture of, uh, of God's people. And, and so I tell you, what really happened was the world said, uh, I'm a little bit worried about this crowd over here. I'm a, little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about what might happen if we just leave them to their own advice. And so what we'll do is we'll put them under bondage. Is that right? If that well, God hit me, I'm going to get in trouble right here. If they'll let us, we're going to put restrictions on them and we're going to put these things on them. We're going to set taskmasters over them and we're going to control them and we're going to ultimately, we don't have to wipe them out, we don't have to kill them, we're just going to reduce them to nothing. You know what the truth, well, you know what's always blew my mind, Brother Corey, the children of Israel were still more than the Egyptians. They were still mightier than the Egyptians. But because they've been under a taskmaster, now, Kirk, they felt like they were nothing. Yeah. That right. My soul, there's more preaching right there than i got time to deal with. But remember that. We might hit that later on this week. But now watch this. He set taskmasters over them. And the Bible said they built him treasure cities, Ramses, uh, and, um, well, it just left me, uh, Pithom and Ramses. But then watch verse 12. This is what's amazing to me. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. I was reading a book. I was sitting in my office just a few minutes today. I, I, I just read through a chapter real quick of a book I've been reading. And uh, the, 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 the author there made a statement that just blew my mind. He was talking about, John, uh, how we say in today's culture, we say we're persecuted. And uh, he was talking about how that we don't even know what persecution for the faith really is. And, but he made a statement that just stuck with me. He said that down through the centuries, that he named over all these different uh, uh, regimes and these different uh, countries and these different 
leaders and different people that had really persecuted the church. And he said, what's amazing is the more they would kill, and one man said it like this, said if they kill one preacher, ten step up in his place. If they kill one Christian, it seems like God will raise up ten more. The more that they persecute and the more that they kill, it seems like that draws men. It, it wipes out those that are, uh, how do I say this directly, those that are just really kindly half in, half out. It gets rid of those and it leaves that strong that have their faith in God and put their trust in God and it draws men to it and for everyone that's persecuted there's ten more step in his place and that's what happened here in our text uh, Bible said the more that they would come against them the mightier they grew uh, uh, the more they tried to take them down the more God exalted them uh, uh, the more that they tried to persecute them the more God would bless them uh, watch what he said but the more they afflicted them the more they multiplied and grew and they were grieved because of the children of Israel you know what that word grieved means it means strongly discontented it means uh, what it, I'm putting sorry can English Leona what it means was they was about to lose their mind uh, they just couldn't figure it out uh, they thought what can we do the worse we treat them uh, the mightier they grow uh, the more we wipe out the more God raises up what can we do to stomp them out and can I just stop and show you something real quick do you realize that the church has a greater promise of protection than the children of Israel did Jesus said, Thou art Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't that right? Uh, we've got a promise tonight of protection. So uh, we see there, uh, we see there uh, the, the, the problem there. There arose a new Pharaoh who was jealous of Israel. The more, they, uh, the more that they afflicted them, uh, the more they multiplied and grew. Verse 13, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. So there was a problem. God was blessing and God was moving. And so Egypt said, the Pharaoh said, the, we'll, just keep, we'll just keep making it worse and worse and worse and we'll make them build cities and we'll make them make brick and we'll work them with rigor and we'll set taskmasters over them and we'll make them slaves and we'll make them bondmen and we'll make, it, we'll make their life awful. Uh, is that right? Because he was jealous of them. Just what it boils down to, John. He was intimidated by them. So he made put they put them in rigor and put them in bondage. So there was a problem. Then those women, if you would, the protection. Now things are getting ready to step up. He's worked them with rigor. He's done all these things and he, he's making them work. They've got taskmasters over them. He's making everything they do with rigor. I mean, it, they're, they're in a bad, bad shape. Then notice what he does. Now I'm going to tell you, then we're going to read, we're going to read the scripture. Starting about verse 15, he comes up with a new plan. And he takes these two uh, midwives and he said, I'll tell you what you want to do. I've heard that you take care of the children of Israel when they're, when they're delivering. And I, I see them. I said, yeah, that's, that's what we do. And he said, all right, when you, go to the, when you go to the children of Israel, here's what I want you to do. If it's a male, I want you to kill that baby. And if it's a female, you can let it live. Y'all looking at me like you ain't never heard this, but that's what the Bible said. If it's a male, you kill it. If it's a female, you can let it live. You go, well, you don't look like you believe me, so let's just read it so you can see it, all right? Watch what the Bible said in verse 15. 
And the king of Egypt, talking about Pharaoh, spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Sifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. If it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. Now what about that? That, that, He told me, he said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. If it's a boy, you kill it. If it's a girl, you let them live. But there was two women who said, you know what? I believe I'm more worried about what God wants us to do than I am what Pharaoh wants us to do. Isn't that right? The Bible said they feared God. Isn't that right? So here's what they did. Watch this. Now, this is exciting to me. I know we're not preaching real, real hard, but just stay with me. And did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. So they've hatched up a plan, Wendy, that instead of doing what the Pharaoh asked them, they've come up with a way that they're going to save all these babies. Verse 19, and the midwife said unto Pharaoh, now listen to this, this, you women will enjoy this, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come into them. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Let me show you what they said. So Pharaoh's got word of this, Leon, and he says, y'all come here. Now I told you if it's a son to kill it. And if it was a, if it was a daughter, let it live. But you're not, there's none of these sons dying. They're all living. What's the problem? And these two women said, Pharaoh, these women, these Hebrew women, they ain't like Egyptian women. They don't need nobody to come help them. By the time we get there, they're done holding the baby. I mean, they, they, everything's done done. Well, they're not asking us for nothing. We don't have to give them no medicine. We don't have to help them. We don't have to coach them through it. By the time we get there, they're done holding the baby. And there just ain't nothing we can do once they're done holding the baby. What cracks me up about that is what they were really saying was them Hebrew women just rubbing salt in the wound again. Them Hebrew women are tougher than Egyptian women. Now, they don't need nobody to help. So Pharaoh's done got worked up again. Now watch this. Now watch what your Bible said. So we see the protection. Watch your Bible. Verse number 20. Verse number 19. The midwife says, Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not the Egyptian women, for they are lively and delivered there, the midwives come into them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. Verse 21. It came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. Now, I'd love to hit verse 21 in more detail, but I don't have time. Let me say this. God took two women, two midwives, and protected the children of Israel. Two, now I want you to get this. I I told you we weren't going to get into much detail, but just stay with me. I'm going to come back and hit all this later. He took two women, Wendy, that all they knew was just helping women deliver babies. That's all they knew. But I mean, let me just say it like this. Ron, they didn't have a Bible college degree. They didn't, have, they, didn't, they didn't know all the scriptures. They didn't know all. They weren't, they weren't these great men that was charismatic and all these things. Just two women that all they knew, Kirk, was how to help a woman deliver a baby. And God used them to save a nation. Is that right? They was just willing to fear God and be obedient to God. And God used them to save a nation. Watch what your Bible said. The Bible said that the people waxed very the people multiplied and waxed very great. You know what happened? What Pharaoh meant for evil, the Lord took that time and used those two women and they multiplied again and waxed very great. Now Pharaoh's getting ready to be out of the banks. I mean, he's getting ready to be just plumb angry. What's really happened here in verse 15 through 21, the Lord used two midwives to protect the male children of the Hebrew people 
For now, notice, I want you to notice this too. There's so much in this this evening. The Hebrew people, from what we would refer to as late-term abortion, Is that right? And don't get quiet on me. That's what it was. Pharaoh said, if you get there and you see her on the stool, I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just trying to tell you what that meant was she's ready to push. It's just about time. And you realize this is a son, you kill him. You know what? That's an abortion. That's exactly what it is. You kill him before he's ever born. That's an abortion. That's what it is. This, people get so bad out of shape. And so we, I've said it myself. I never thought I'd say it. This mess has been going on for a long time, friend. It's, the world's been wicked for a long, long time. It, it ain't anything new this, this evening. How about they used two women to save the nation of Israel. And there's no telling how many children God used them to save their life from a late-term abortion. Is that right? So we see the protection. God used two women to protect the nation. Then I want you to notice one of the proclamation in verse 22. Pharaoh's getting ready to make a statement. And Pharaoh charged all his people saying, Every son, now notice this, that is born. He didn't say in the process of being born. Kirk, he's done took it a step farther. He said, now every son that is born. He said, you shall cast in the river and every daughter... You shall save alive. Now, it's something interesting to me, and I do want to show you this just real quick. Can anybody figure out, now I know there, there's multiple reasons, but I want you to talk to me right here, okay? Does anybody have any idea why he was so interested in the sons being killed, but not the daughters? About sons, Egyptians could make children with the Hebrew women. Right. Right, right. But can I, can I, I agree with that. I agree 100%. Without the sons, they, like Brother Cor said, they, the, the, the Egyptians could uh, intermingle those two races. But all, and also, eventually, without the sons, there'd be, no, there'd be no men to go to battle. There'd be no men to stand up against the army of the Egyptians. But can I show you a deeper thing just real quick? What about this? Let's go back to the book of Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. There's something we've hit before. Something we've referred to multiple times as the promised seed. Do you remember that? Can I read that to you just real quick? Now watch this. I want to show you something. Genesis 3, 15. You don't have to turn with me, but I, I want you to listen, all right? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. Notice what your Bible said. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, talking to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise, listen to this next word, his heel. Did you catch that? It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Eve, in chapter number 4, the Bible says in verse 1, And Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. You know who the first person recorded that died in your Bible is? Is that right? You know why? Now listen to me. Now watch this. I want to show you something. Watch this. She said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Isn't that right? You say, preacher, what are you saying? You know what Eve thought? Can't you see her? She, she has Cain and she looks down and she says, this must be him. Right? Because God had told her that she'd have a seed that bruised the head of the serpent and that serpent had bruised his heel. She said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And you know what happened immediately? Now watch this. Now I want to show you something. You know what Satan did? 
he, got, he, he slipped in, John, and got in the mind of Cain. Isn't that right? And what he did, Brother Corey, now stay with me. I, I am getting a little bit, a little bit just stay with me. He, he, of course, in those days, you would have become assumption that it would have went through the, uh, the lineage of the oldest child. That's how things would have progressed. And so what Satan did was he corrupted that older line. He corrupted Cain. Isn't that right? And then he slew Abel and thought, I've won. Isn't that right? God won't bless a mess. I, I've slew, I, I, I've corrupted Cain and I've killed Abel. He's got no option. Isn't that right? But God already had a plan for that and just kept right on moving. And from the time that Cain and Abel were born, you mark her, in fact, by the time Adam and Eve was created, you mark her down. Satan did everything he could to stop the promised seed from ever being born. You know why Pharaoh was so interested in killing the male children? It was an attack of Satan to prevent the promise of you say, preacher, I don't believe it. Well, note it. Remember this. Remember when we took the Bible and we looked through and we found all the times that God had referred to about that seed and all the promises where it came from? Watch this. At this time, in the book of Exodus, the, at this time, it had already been promised that the promised seed would come through the lineage of Jacob or through Israel. That's in Genesis 26, verse 3 and 4. And then in Genesis 49, verse 10, it was promised that it had come through the line of Judah. Well, listen to me now. Now think about this. Think about this rationally. Satan sees the perfect opportunity. All of the children of Israel are now in Egypt. Are you with me? Yeah. They're all, Ronald, in one place. Notice what your Bible said in verse number 5. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. He's already told us, Leon, they're all in Egypt. That generation's died off. But now, guess who's somewhere in Egypt? Guess who's there? You know who it is? Judah's son is somewhere in Egypt. Judah's already dead, but Corey Judah's family is somewhere in Egypt. And guess what? Satan says, if I can just kill him, if I can just get rid of that child, if I can just prevent him, then the Lord will never come. That'll wipe it out. That'll do away with the Lord's plan. And isn't it amazing God just used two little women and say, nah, that's not going to happen. There, what about them two little women? Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm just speculating. Just stay with me. But I wonder one of these days what them two women, what kind of reward they may have. Because they may never mention it. But, Brother Corey, they might have held a baby and had to make a choice and said, no, nah, I, just, I just can't do it. And they might have saved the one that carried on the seed, 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 that brought upon the seed of a woman that was the Redeemer of all mankind. There's none telling what God might have done with them two women. So now he said that every man, every son, every man-child, I guess you could say, that's born will be killed. While there are political reasons, while there are physical reasons, uh, there's also spiritual reasons uh, because it was an attack of Satan to attempt to prevent the the coming of the promised seed. Every man, every son that is born of you shall be cast in the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. 
That's not the first time, that's not the last time Satan uses that method either. Do you know that? On up in the New Testament, it's getting just about time, John, and he knew, I believe, I believe Satan knew it was just about time. And he had another wicked ruler make a decree that every man, every man child of the age, I believe it was three and younger, would be killed. Remember that? Uh, ain't that right? And guess what happened? Guess what happened? The Lord said, I remember this from before. I'm going to do something different. Instead of trying to get them out of Egypt, Joseph, just take him on down yonder to Egypt and stay a little while. And I, ain't that right? Do you see how all that comes together? That's amazing to me. It's amazing how that Bible is put together. Now watch this. So we see the protection. We see the proclamation. Pharaoh's made this proclamation that every... Now remember who made that? I know you've heard this, but stay with me. Pharaoh made the proclamation, every son shall be thrown into the river. Now watch chapter 2, verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Now the reason she hid him is because he ought to have been thrown in the river. Ain't that right? She's hiding him, trying to protect him. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, dabbed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh come down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. When she'd opened it, she saw the child, behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now I want you to imagine just for a minute. There stands that this mama's took his baby and she's put him in an ark of bulrushes. And uh, you say, preacher, how come she made an ark? Well, she saw the judgment coming. The last time there'd been judgment coming, Noah built an ark. Isn't that right? So she said, I'm gonna put him in the ark, and I'm gonna uh, I, I'm gonna put him in, I'm gonna put him in the uh, I, I'm gonna put him in the river. That's what she was technically. I think part of it, you can disagree or agree whatever you want to. I think part of it, Kirk was so she'd be able to say she did what she was supposed to do. She did throw him in the river. She just built something for him to stay. You know, that doesn't mean it wasn't dangerous, but uh, she, she, you can take it however you want to. Uh, but I guess that's why everybody gets Moses and Noah some mixed up. I know I do, but I've got, I just hit me with something. They were both in the ark, so I guess that makes sense. Isn't that right? Uh, but anyway, uh, she put him in that ark, and then uh, his sister, the Bible said, stood far off uh, and watched. And here come, guess who, of all people that could come up, here come Pharaoh's daughter. And I see his sister standing back there watching and Pharaoh's daughter opens up that basket and Moses starts crying and she looks down and she says, oh, it's one of the Hebrews' children. And can't you just imagine the heartbreak? Can't you just imagine thinking, well, it's all over now. That's Pharaoh's daughter. But the Bible says she had compassion on him. Isn't that right? Isn't it amazing that the Lord knew that she just happened to come by? Just happen to know she'd have compassion. Just happen to know, Wendy, that the one person in all of Egypt that might be able to melt Pharaoh's heart enough to keep a Hebrew baby would be his own daughter. What about that? And she just happened to be the one to find it. I see her come in. I, I, I'm not trying to be funny, Brooke. Or I see her come in and say, Daddy, can I keep him? I mean, I, I just see it. I just see her come in and say, Daddy, surely you won't make me do I, I, I love, he's, he's crying. Just let me keep him. Uh, and Pharaoh's heart melted. He said, all right, you can keep that. That's what happened. Uh, and so God God orchestrated all this. And, uh, so the Bible said that she had compassion and that she said it was one of the Hebrews' children. Verse 7, watch this. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, now watch this, now listen, 
Moses' sister standing back there in the background as she heard her say this to one of the Hebrews' children. But I believe, Kirk, she might have just seen a tear run down her face. Well, I didn't realize she felt sorry for it. And she stepped out and said, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, but there's some women that got rid of their babies and they'd still be able to nurse. You want me to run and get one of them for you so that, uh, so that you'd be able to take care of it? I'd say, Pharaoh's daughter said, yeah, I believe that'd be a good idea. Go on back and get her. Go, go ahead and get one. So watch what your Bible says. Now watch this. Now notice, I know you've heard it, but just let's enjoy it together and go on. Bible said, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, verse 8, go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. What about that? She went and said, you'll never believe it. There's a woman down yonder. Pharaoh's daughter's done picked up your baby, and she needs somebody to take care of it. And she told me, just come get somebody. So you ought to go down there and take care of it. Watch this. Verse number 10, verse number 9. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, I love this. Take this child and nurse it for me, and I'll give thee thy wages. Now watch this. What about this? Here, here, here come Moses' mama. Pharaoh's daughter said, listen, you'll have to take care of this baby. I'm not able to. You take it and nurse it for me. And I, I see her lay, the, I see her lay Moses in his mama's arms. And I'm just about to see the terror fighting the tears back. Don't want anybody to know that her baby's safe and that everything's going to be all right. As she went to turn around, I almost see it. John, the tears begin to come. And Pharaoh's daughter said, well, hang on just a minute. We didn't even talk about how much you're going to get paid. Uh, how much do you need to take care of this baby? My soul, talk about uh, doing the Lord's work and letting the devil pay for it. Ain't that right? Uh, I mean, listen, she said, I'm going to pay you uh, to raise your own child. Uh, I'm going to pay you to care for the child uh, uh, that you should have killed, uh, but God's done worked it out uh, and you're going to get paid to care for your own child. My soul, you don't think God had his hand in that? Now watch this. That's a part of verse, verse number 9. Bible said the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, notice with me the provision. Now, God provided for Moses, and he provided for his mother, and he provided for his sister, but there's something deeper at stake here in this chapter. Now, you say, Preacher, what are you talking about? There's a problem. Pharaoh is against the people of God. Isn't that right? He's got them in bondage. He's got them in rigor. And I want to say something. Now listen to me. Listen to me. God always uses men. God always has a man. Did you know that? Stay with me. Let's fast forward to the New Testament just a little while. God, it's not that he has to, Jessica. He chooses to operate within the local church. Is that right? He always has a man. He doesn't need us, but he chooses, John, to use us. Isn't that right? He chooses to have a man, somebody that he can use, somebody that can lead his people. Now watch this. The children of Israel, now they're in Egypt. They've had it so good. They've lived it up. Now trouble's come. And for the next years, they'll feel like that everything's falling apart and God's forgot about them and nobody cares. But what they don't know, John, is that he's raising up a man to deliver them out of their bondage. Now, can I show you something just real quick? When we were in bondage to sin and we felt like nobody cared, what we didn't realize was God had raised up a man to deliver us out of our bondage. It was a different man than any other man. 
It was the God-man. It was the Son of God. It was, it was the Lamb of God. But he raised up a man to die in our place yeah. to deliver us out of our bondage. Isn't that right? God always has a man. Now watch this. I want to show you something real quick and I'm done. I want you to look at everything that's happened. Everything that's been done. And this wasn't something God just threw down on the fly. He knew this when Joseph went to Egypt. He knew when they went to Egypt, they'd have to come out. Is that right? He knew all Egypt was, Kirk, was just a stop by to take care of them for a few years to get through that famine. And then he's going to bring them. He had a better place for them to go. And there's some debate about that. We might get into that later. But God, it wasn't that it took them by surprise. But John, they didn't understand it. But he was raising up a man to deliver them out of bondage. And can I show you something? Now listen to me. Let me show you what happened. God was preparing a man. You never know what your circumstances may be preparing you for. He grew up as an Egyptian, but his own mother nursed him and cared for him. He, 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 he had Hebrew ties. He had, he, he learned, he, no doubt she taught him, no doubt she taught him the customs and the things of the people of Israel. Are you with me? But he grew up as a Hebrew. He understood Hebrew politics. He understood, he grew up, Kirk, as Pharaoh's daughter. He, he had a line, he had a, he had a claim at the throne of Egypt. He was in the royal family. He had a position of power and God groomed him to be, no doubt he learned leadership sitting underneath Pharaoh. That one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. You go to a pastor's conference. I'm just going to be honest with you. You go to a pastor's conference. They're preaching to pastors. Somebody's going to say something about Moses. You might as well mark it down. Somebody. He was one of the greatest leaders known to man. And he learned. God let him learn that sitting in Pharaoh's halls. that right? And God was grooming him to lead his people out of Egypt. It, you can't look at the children of Israel and not be marveled at the foreknowledge of God. That God knew what they'd face and knew what they'd go through. Kirk, he had two midwives that was going to be able to spare those children. He had, he, had a, he had Pharaoh's daughter that was going to have compassion and be able to win Pharaoh's heart. He let Pharaoh raise Moses and pay his mama to do it. And it's, it's a miraculous to me the foreknowledge and the providence of God. So we see the providence in verse number, in verse number, in chapter two, verse one through ten. I hope you've enjoyed it just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to come back next week, or maybe Wednesday. We'll try to come back and hit some of it and look a little bit at maybe some of the typologies and different things.